Yes, Linda, how's it going? The going is great. How is yours? Uh, mine is uh, okay, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, considering huh? everything that is happening at the moment, um, uh, just making sure that I'm staying safe, which is priority. <laughs> I know, I know. Yes. But it will be yes. fine in the end. It will be fine in the end. Yeah, I mean, everyone is confident and remaining hopeful that uh, we make it out of this. We will, we will, it will be well. Yes, so um, how has this uh, impacted your business so far? SME support center, so advisory is very affected. Consultants Mm -hmm. are very affected because you see people choose not to really spend on uh, anything that is non-food. Yes. So it's really... Uh, it's really them balancing whether they can spend. But to be honest, for us, uh, we've, we are now finding a way to do a lot more online trainings, interesting clients on online trainings and so forth, mm-hmm. and trying to engage our market and being innovative. Mm-hmm. So, so, for, so surprisingly, we are very busy, which is good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so we've chosen to adapt very fast. Uh, that's good. Were you always prepared for this kind of? Okay, of course not. Not that. Not that you weren't. Not that you you had any prior information. But was your business always ready for transitioning into you know a more online based kind of operations? No, to be honest, not really. No, no, yeah. not really. We were never ready for such a change. Mm-hmm. I not 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 ever imagining we would have to move everything online. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we really had to adapt very fast to see mm-hmm. what tools can be used online and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So so yes, it's just been adapting very fast for us. Uh, yeah, and, learning. Around. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but so far, uh, it seems like everything is running fine, right? Yes, now everything is fine. Now everything is running. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good to know. That's yeah. good to know. Yeah. Um, if yeah. we, if if at the end of this situation, you you know we kind of get back to to the normal that we have always been used to. Do you see yourself going back to you know one on one or physic physical uh, trainings or are you going to maintain the kind of online or virtual uh, setup that you've adopted so far? Uh, to be honest, uh, uh, there are some aspects of our business that would be very, that would remain online. So I'll give you an example. So we do mm-hmm. business advisory. And one of the yes. things I'm seeing that is really saving us a lot of time is consultations via online. Before mm-hmm. people had to meet physically, you arrange the time, then meet, yeah. and so forth, or go to the client's office. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's really starting to be a time saver to really okay. just get on a quick call, mm-hmm. uh, chat with a prospective client. So on the business development side, if it's mm-hmm. possible, there are those we prefer to keep them online mm-hmm. for training and etc. Because we do a lot of that with partners necessarily. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. with, uh, whether it's financial institutions and so forth, there are some that will remain physical. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some 
that perhaps they may think of doing it online, but I still feel like uh, uh, the Kenyan nature when it comes to interaction and mm-hmm. uh, networking that you may not get necessarily online might yeah. still be very important, especially for services like training and mm-hmm. so forth. So, so I still feel the social aspect, uh, SMEs may still want the social aspect. So that mm-hmm. might remain, physical trainings might remain, but a yeah. chunk of work on the advisory side, we, we are seeing how we might actually make a lot of it online rather than physical meetings all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe for the SMEs that you're working with, are you seeing them finding it easy to transition at this point? Are they probably finding it very hard or probably not even being able to continue the operations? Yeah, so a lot of them have been hit hard, especially those in non-food retail, which mm-hmm. makes about 65% of our businesses okay. in Kenya, at least a KNBS. Uh-huh. Yeah. A lot of them to transition uh, is, is really firefighting. For most of them, it is really, how do I deal with the cash flow issue, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. it is uh, for the ones that, because they are, they are facing revenue pressures, mm-hmm. which is caused by decline in sales and so forth. They're facing yeah. cost pressures because they have overheads that they must meet, even when mm-hmm. sales are declining. So they have rent, wages, and so forth, fixed overheads, yeah. which they must meet. They're mm-hmm. facing supply chain pressures because for those like importers, for example, can't really import from China. So you basically are either relying on the stock that you had and if yeah. it's depleted, that's it, you know. And mm-hmm. they're facing maybe distribution challenges. They can't get those goods to their customers. So mm-hmm. they're, they're facing various pleasures. And of course, they're facing the cash flow pressure. So either yeah. you have debtors are growing. You have so many people who, who are choosing to, to ask you for credit. They don't want to uh-huh. pay cash. Suppliers, yeah. on the other hand, want cash, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you have your bank obligations on cash. So if you have credit and so forth. So it is mm-hmm. really... For most of them, it is really all those pressures that mm-hmm. they have to deal right now, you know? And, yeah. and they're coping, not really. Uh, I feel like there are uh, many of them overwhelmed. And I mm-hmm. feel there's a disconnect, especially for the formal SMEs. There's a disconnect between them and their mm-hmm. bankers in understanding what solutions they may really want. Mm-hmm. I know banks are encouraging them to restructure their loans and so forth. Uh-huh. But I think um, we need a conversation with, uh, with those two players, banks and SMEs and yeah. ETC. Mm-hmm. And it's really, uh, for us as SSC, we are facilitating SMEs to do what we call business continuity plans and just okay. helping them to make, supporting them in the decision-making process. Because some of them are saying, in fact, majority of SMEs are saying in uh-huh. the next, uh, they only have cash flows to last them less than the, the ones that are doing well less than three months. So you see, you oh. have to make decisions. Yeah, yes. it's a very short runway. Mm. Yes. They have a very short runway, exactly. Mm. So it is about which decisions can we make now? Is mm-hmm. it that you have conversations with your staff? A lot of mm-hmm. them are having conversations with their staff mm. um, that during this time, they take salary cuts so that they can keep their jobs mm. and so that to increase that runway. Uh, a lot of them are, are uh, obviously having conversations on the rent side and their mm-hmm. landlords, uh, mm-hmm. having conversations with their suppliers and so yeah. forth. So it is yeah. really what decisions do we need to take and that's where we are supporting them. 
you mentioned uh, the conversation you are having, which is uh, the one that I noted is business continuity plans. Could you kindly yeah. elaborate on what exactly that is and what some of the aspects of it entails? Yeah, so a business continuity plan is really a, a strategy mm-hmm. that helps for us. We've customized it for SMEs. It's really how what decisions can we make now based on all mm-hmm. the scenarios that we're facing. So simplified, we look at very like three objectives. So the first thing is we analyze with the SMEs all their current pressures, their cost, their pressures, their business pressures, the things I talked about. So you have the revenue pressures, the cost pressures, yeah. the supply chain pressures. We analyze with them where is the pressure, you know? Okay. So we do, yeah. we use the, um, their data, really, their financial data to analyze the pressure. And then once mm-hmm. we analyze the pressure, we look at all the possible options that they have. Mm-hmm. And then we make decisions using a plan. So we basically yeah. get what, what, we, what are the scenarios. Let's assume we have um, three scenarios. So like the mm-hmm. best case scenario is, where we are now. This is like yeah. where we are now is the best case. Let's assume the curfew continues to 30th of April. I think that's what the president said. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the president yeah, about, said the, yeah. curfew, the curfew should was a 30-day curfew up until the 30th mm-hmm. of April where we businesses still open but mm-hmm. close before 7 and ETC. So the current situation is the best case scenario. So yeah. what decisions can you, if the scenario prevails like this and ends within 30 days, what mm. decisions will you make? Maybe some of them won't make any decisions. They'll keep yeah. the same staff, salaries, and ETC. But mm-hmm. let's assume now, let's assume now that uh, the curfew continues for two months. Yes. The decisions change. Mm. Uh, and then let's assume it continues for three months. The decisions mm-hmm. change. Yeah. And, then, and then there's a recovery period. What decision? So it is for us to divide for them the scenarios, customize mm-hmm. the scenarios, and put decisions with them for each so that mm-hmm. they can plan themselves. Oh, yeah. So the worst thing you need to do is to be caught uh, making rush decisions, is to plan and mm-hmm. to really, whether you need to get short term credit, whether you're keeping the same staff and ETC. Mm. So those are the decisions we're helping them make. That's a business continuity plan, very simply. Okay, uh, that's quite interesting. Um, so you work in an industry that is very critical to the launch and growth of businesses. Um, what has the startup funding been like even pre-COVID-19 uh, for Africa? Because mm-hmm. a lot of what we've been seeing around is that, you know, there's funding, yes, but it's probably not going to the critical areas. And there's probably mm-hmm. a particular niche of businesses based on the founder sure. structure that are getting a lot of funding, while the ones that actually require even seed funding are not being looked at maybe because of different reasons. I don't know what has been your experience in, in this regard. I think startups are generally very, uh, to invest in startups is generally very risky because mm-hmm. a startup is, in itself is a risky in, 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 so, inherently. So, so yeah. yeah. A risky venture inherently, just because mm-hmm. one, they haven't proven themselves really. Um, perhaps they've just done a pilot and it looks mm-hmm. good. 
for mm-hmm. your investing in the faith of the business, you know? Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. you find there, number one, from an investor perspective, I'll speak about the investor perspective, you find uh, there's a lot of uh, risk aversiveness. So it, deals yeah, are yeah. slow. It's mm-hmm. happening across many uh, deals are very slow in that sector. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even if they're not slow, they then use they then use uh, other metrics maybe on the team to give mm-hmm. them that confidence. So whether it's, uh, it's uh, um, the issues that have come around race and ETC. So it is mm-hmm. really, it is to be, uh, it is really a very interesting sector. But that said, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that there's definitely no opportunities in, in startup here. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean, I mean, at one point, people, everyone is a startup, right? At one point, yes. every single person is a startup. Yeah. So even an SME was once a startup. Like, mm-hmm. depends on how you define startup, because then um, some people, uh, the startup definition has mm-hmm. been linked to maybe high growth businesses or innovations that are yes. high growth. If, yeah. we, if we rely on that one single um, uh, definition, because on one mm-hmm. hand, other people say, any micro business is a startup. So yeah. in other definitions, the micro enterprise is a startup, at least in the African context. But let's yes. assume the tech world of startup, which is like high growth businesses, mm. businesses that have been looked at, businesses that can scale very fast mm. and not the traditional mm-hmm. medium growth businesses. Yeah. If you look at startups, uh, for me, it is really it is really about then. Uh, how do we as Africans define our own model mm-hmm. of funding these, mm-hmm. these startups or whether it is new businesses, right? Okay. Because yeah. for me, I'm very, I'm usually about the key issues. How do we move money, more money into this sector, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And within the current frameworks of VC and, and uh, the current investor frameworks, Mm-hmm. Are we going to achieve that? That's what we want to ask ourselves. And if not, if the answer is not, mm. then how do we then design a model that mm-hmm. can ensure that we move the needle in terms of how many investments happen to yeah. those businesses that are promising mm-hmm. and then can deliver change in Kenya or in Africa, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so oh, and I've, I've, exp- I've seen a model that can work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So recently, um, there was uh, recently a gentleman known as Yonua Abuyeji. He's from Nigeria, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So he was the founder of Andela. Okay. Uh, he's yeah. the founder of Andela, and he's also uh-huh. the founder of uh, uh, is it is it I forget the name of the other company. So mm. he recently he they've launched what is called the Future Africa Fund, yeah, and it's very interesting. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it begins to shape how we can begin to invest into African startups. And I wrote about it this morning, actually, in our mm-hmm. social media pages, which okay. is really about. It is really about how do we increase capital into this sector, but yeah. how do we do it differently? Understanding African businesses in mind. So number one, mm-hmm. one of the things they've done is. Really, it's going to be like a community fund. So this is how it works. It's, mm. it's a co-investment fund. So okay. basically, is is them who are entrepreneurs who have been in this business space for long. Basically, mm-hmm. once they source opportunities, uh, they, they have 
you 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 have a chance as any investor, whether you are a high net worth individual, a local mm-hmm. investor, whoever. Yeah. So long as you have a minimum of ten thousand dollars and there's a good opportunity, mm-hmm. you'll put your ten thousand dollars, but you won't put it into a fund. They will okay. syndicate it. So syndicate means like different people pulling together to mm-hmm. invest in a particular venture, but supported by experienced entrepreneurs. You understand? Okay. Yes. So so. That's one of the things that is very innovative, unlike the traditional model, which was, mm. which was uh, um, a limited partner who, uh-huh. who gets several other partners from across the world, raises a fund, yeah. fundraises, yeah. and begins to source opportunities and invest in those opportunities, form an, uh, an investment committee. And this mm. investment committee is basically made up of... Uh, is made up of maybe investment bankers and etc mm. who primarily don't really understand the 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 yeah. how to do business in africa you understand so basically so the traditional people, vc model yes exactly yeah. the traditional yeah. vc model so this is is like a harambe of is like a community model of investment into startups yeah. and that becomes uh-huh. very interesting for me and it becomes to solve a lot of these challenges we have been seeing because so long as it's driven by Africans who have understood business in Africa, yeah, it becomes different because they're able to say this can work, this cannot work. Mm, that's true. And as long as you're bringing other people, so let's say you're huh? bringing Frank who has a $10,000 somewhere mm. who, who is willing to, to invest. So you're not investing into a pool of funds. Yeah. Everyone will choose which deal they're investing on. Mm. Okay, that, that seems yes, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that that seems to be now customizing the ecosystem to what we 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 are experiencing and to you know the kind of ventures that we are building. Because I think for the longest time we've always had investors, uh, local investors, but it seems like they don't have a structure. Where would I take the money? So you find that. A lot of people who might be contributing in even their chamas, uh, they put the money in traditional investments like, you know, buying land and building shopping malls and whatnot. But they could invest the money in high growth startups that probably prove, could prove to be a very good potential in the future. It seems like we've just been depending on the traditional VC model that has been thriving in, in Silicon Valley and other areas, right? Sure, sure. And that mm. is the problem. We, we cannot mm. have continue to have a current pace for many things, right? Yes. And yes. I'm a big proponent for that. We cannot be, continue to have a current pace model for many things. Mm. It is really about how do we customize funding and investment in, in Africa. And this is such a great case study from yeah. Future Africa Fund. I was actually studying mm-hmm. it this morning. Such an mm-hmm. impressive um, model that we can begin to test. Uh-huh. And, and emulate and that way we get more local investors because what they have now done in that future Africa fund is that yeah. now all the, the, the process of you putting in the money and ETC is not managed by them as individuals. Now you get mm. a, a farm, so you get a, a reputable farm, whether it's yeah. the PWC and ETC, to actually manage the process of mm-hmm. you putting the money and ETC, so formalize it, you know? But yes. then they don't make decisions on investments and ETC. It is experienced mm-hmm. entrepreneurs who make that decisions. They source an ETC. Okay. So it's quite interesting. So, so to navigate this uh, 
I think post-COVID for me, it is how do we design mm. models that work for Africa, whether it's on investments mm-hmm. and investments in startups, investment in SMEs, because people are going to need a lot of money. Yes. Right? That's true. That's yeah. true. People yeah. People are going to need a lot of money. To, to one, um, people need money now to basically just survive. But mm. then there's growth capital. SMEs, they will need growth capital to tap in. Yeah. Importers will need growth to tap into orders. Mm. So how will we navigate it with the current uh, investment structures? We won't. Yes. So we just have to find our own way. Uh, um, and in your opinion, which are the most investable uh, industries at the moment? So at the moment, uh, the truth is at the moment, investors, the traditional investors are saying hold for new investments, right? New investments uh, are uh, given a hold. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, unless it is healthcare. Healthcare is uh-huh. the buzz now. So there's a lot of money in healthcare now, whether it's healthcare innovation, startups mm. in healthcare, you've seen all those calls for proposals, that's where the money is. Yes. Like, like people innovating research, what? Mm-hmm. The, unless it's healthcare, people are not really, really looking at it. Unless it's perhaps e-commerce, Mm. not really right and they're already fast movers in that area so a yes. lot of the other sectors a bit of hold you know at least for the next mm. six months for especially for large deals it's hold like okay. a lot of the investors you're speaking to they're like linda new investments hold you know mm. but yeah. then in health sector and etc it's where there's a lot of activity health mm. sector e-commerce and yes, mm. where the demand is still there because investment is just really about risk, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Th- that, that seems to be, well, it's understandable why the large investors might put a hold on putting, you know, an, or investing in, in projects at the moment. Uh, is there an opportunity for local retail investors to just probably try and disrupt the space and crowdfund for, for, for projects that they feel are more relatable to them and, you know, might put together something that they really require? Or do you, basically, do you think that crowdfunding might stand a chance in the investment space uh, going forward? That's a very good question. Mm. Crowdfunding at a very small uh, fund level, like, I mean, those retail funds where people put 100, Bob, 200, mm-hmm. the typical crowdfunding model. So the Mchanga model and all these yeah. other models are out there. That still cannot really move the needle unless it's very micro enterprises. So if we're okay. talking the SME and we're talking startups who require $50,000, $10,000 and up, you know? Mm-hmm. So it needs... Mm-hmm. Um, it needs perhaps the same model, but in a more structured and formalized way, mm. right? So yeah. that you can restore confidence on the high net worth or any other person looking for investment. Mm-hmm. Now, post during the recovery phase of COVID, which in mm-hmm. our estimation, SEC is going to be uh, perhaps maybe uh, somewhere around... Uh, uh, June going forward, so we mm-hmm. we see at least for us we see maybe two two months of mm-hmm. of um, of uh, of these two three months and the recovery period, um, yeah. and then somewhere around December is where farms will be starting to restore to normal. You know, about six yeah. months need uh-huh. to get to that point. Now for oh. so for us it's really 
um, and and the reality is SMEs will need money. That's yeah. that's a reality. So uh-huh. the reality is then how do we find a model that is one formal, mm-hmm. that is reputable, that mm-hmm. can be trusted, yeah, and still has those community kind of um, basis to uh-huh. allow for further lending, right? To allow yeah. for, for for more people to be involved in the sector. So mm. it 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 is definitely an opportunity. Whether mm-hmm. it's definitely an opportunity, yeah. Uh, uh, it's just that it needs to be a credible opportunity, oh, and yeah. a, and a, it needs to be by, by by a credible partner because people have lost money in many things. Mm. Yeah, yeah, people have lost money, so it's really about <laughs> how do they trust that process. Mm. That's true. Um, in in your assessment, what are some of the things that startups that are looking to fundraise? Uh, need to do you know sort of housekeeping in order for them to be investor ready and what are some of the things that they usually uh, miscalculate or probably assume and end up you know uh, costing them in the process of of fundraising usually uh, startups should always uh, wear the heart of the investor when fundraising mm-hmm. and the heart of the investor is risk right yeah yeah so risk just to break down risk, because uh, I like to teach and break down everything very simply. Mm-hmm. It is really risk can be looked at in five key risk areas. So you have technology risk, which is a risk of anything yes. that you have innovated fail, right? Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a regulatory risk, any risk around regulations in the area in which you're operating. Yeah. There's a market risk, which mm-hmm. is a risk that the opportunity, mm. there may not enough opportunity to sustain the business for it to scale enough so that the investor can return his money. There's mm. a competition risk, which is the risk that you enter in a space where there are already yeah. too many fast advantages so how they can choke you out, right? Yes. And yes. then there's a petition risk. The risk that I'm putting my money mm. in a team that is competent enough to, mm. to, to actually deliver because deliver. Mm. successful businesses are about people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I keep saying that, in fact, businesses are about people. Two good okay. ideas, two different people can achieve. I mean, the same idea, two different, mm-hmm. two different people can achieve very different results. Because yes. success and growth is about people. It's, it's about, about the, people, the talent, too. right? Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. about the talent mm. that you have in the business to grow, right? Mm. So, mm-hmm. so that, that is why that is very important for a lot of investors, right? Mm. Uh, right? So that's the execution risk, the ability to turn that money into gold, the execution yes. risk. So yeah. Those five key risk areas are very, are very, very important. And you should mm. always wear that lens as you speak to the investor. So if it's regulation, for example, mm. if it's regulation, like right now, in the milk sector, for example, mm-hmm. uh, you find uh, uh, the certain regulations have, have been put, like in Kenya. So yeah. you find for a producer of milk, mm-hmm. right now what the government of Kenya and the Kenya Dairy Board has done is that they mm-hmm. have made milk. They have, uh, one, they have increased the import duties from Uganda. So, so they are trying to preserve or protect the local market. Yes. So you see, so they put regulations to ensure the more you invest locally in milk, they, mm. you're protected, you know. Yes. They have also tried to regulate. They're trying to regulate the prices at which mm-hmm. the farmers can sell. 
So you see, regulation is a big part. So if the risk, the regulatory risks are against you, mm. then uh, investors become scared, you know, yeah. because it's mm-hmm. always about risk. And even risk influences the pricing that you get. If you're in debt, it influences the interest rate that they will charge you, mm. right? So they take yes. into consideration all this and it informs the pricing, the pricing of the investment they will give you. So mm. it is really, it's really about all this. So th- there's the company risks, which is the five things I've talked about. There's the yes. industry risk, which the, the industry you you play, and there's also mm. the country risk. Even a good investment in, let's say, a very good investment in Zimbabwe, or mm-hmm. uh, maybe Zimbabwe is recovering. A very yes. good investment in Watown Congo may yeah. not really. It's just because the country risk is too high. Yes. No. Mm. So, <laughs> so it's really about risk. Mm. really about risk so that's the one thing entrepreneurs must understand mm. it's always a so as you approach investors make sure you demonstrate that you understand the risk mm-hmm. of them not losing the money ah okay um i think the one that's i i think i've has always been mentioned a lot is uh execution risk of the people and uh, it's always been said that uh, the company or institution is all about the people. What are some of the missteps you've seen even investors making when they're putting down their money on a, on a project? Like what we saw, the spectacle around WeWork uh, in the mm-hmm. past couple of months, you know, mm-hmm. um, Ma- Masayoshi uh, put in so much uh, confidence into the WeWork project, but then it appeared that uh, whoever was running WeWork, Adam D- Newman, had a completely different character and uh, flopping the project big time. How, how, what, what sort of missteps, other than, you know, for example, the people risk, do you think a lot of investors might miscalculate and end up uh, putting their money in the wrong projects? Mm-hmm. Unforeseeable kind of um, eventualities like that. Mm, so, so on the people side or... or uh, mostly on the people side. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, so on the investor side, it's always about good due diligence, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you... when For me, I have seen uh, on the people side, now this is on the investor lens. I'll speak mm-hmm. from on the investor side and the, yes. the investee side. But on the yeah. investor side, mm-hmm. you select the businesses. It's always about who is this person? Outside mm-hmm. of the work, mm-hmm. what is their character? What is their integrity? Yeah. yeah? So I see mm-hmm. some of them start by developing a relationship, checking mm-hmm. you out outside of work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, non-work environments, you know, just to understand you a bit better, your character. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it's almost like the interview process, right? It yes. go, for me, it should go beyond the papers. And that's one of mm-hmm. the mistakes they do. Mm-hmm. Many times, some of the most talented entrepreneurs I have naturally come across mm-hmm. are not necessarily the one, the most papers. So they perhaps okay. don't have that degree that you're looking for or yes. Harvard degree that you're looking for or certain mm-hmm. stereotypes that you've placed for yourself mm-hmm. as an investor. They, mm-hmm. they basically have wrong business acumen, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and it's very interesting. Like saying, I keep saying and I keep seeing a lot of Kenyan, indiv- one of the things Kenyan people have, at least in Kenya, is talent, right? Yeah. We have very mm-hmm. strong people, like people who, against all odds, have built incredible companies, you know? People yes. who, so whether it's 
taskies, whether it's who, these people, they just started, you know, these are yeah. homegrown companies. They just started. Mm. They just started. Mm. He saw an opportunity. He started. Mm-hmm. He didn't necessarily buy a degree. No. Yeah. He didn't necessarily have certain check boxes that perhaps we may have. No. Mm-hmm. So it's really about the business acumen and talent. And you can always tell. So it's a proper mm-hmm. interview process. And it, the interview process is not necessarily one-on-one talk or interview. The typical interview process is really watching them on the job, spending time mm-hmm. with them, mm-hmm. watching them in, uh, while, while at work. You know, it has yeah. to be comprehensive on the investor side because, again, you're putting your money on the, on the person. Like mm-hmm. integrity, mm-hmm. when they say they will give you something, do they give you? Mm-hmm. At the same time, do they keep your promises? Very small things, you know? Yeah. Very small things. Like, yeah, if I say I'll send you a report tomorrow, mm-hmm. will I send it? Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. it's small, small things that begin to tell you this guy values, he's a man of his word, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm very big at I like people who, who are people of their word, which is not yeah. so easy to get. Kenya, you know, because <laughs> many people will tell you, and, and listen, yeah, 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 you know, so yeah. it's it's really about going deeper mm. and checking out the pattern on mm-hmm. the investee side. It's also about mm-hmm. going deeper and checking out the investor. Yes. Especially if you have a good deal, it is mm. also about checking out the investor. What kind of investor is this one? Mm-hmm. Do they just are they more interested in my growth, or they're just interested in making money and coming mm. out? Okay. Are they more yeah. interested in yeah? Are they are they really going to be like a partner or more of a hope? You know, mm. someone yeah. on you didn't do this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this. Mm. That's the last thing you want as an entrepreneur because you're basically really trying. You know, especially if you're a startup. Yeah. Yes. I mean, when you're a startup, you're dealing with so many things you're basically really trying you know mm-hmm. so it's really it's really two-way the due diligence is both on the investor and, and the investor also has to do due diligence because we've had so many cases mm-hmm. of people whose businesses have been taken over mm-hmm. and so forth by the investors you know so yes. it is really the due diligence is important you must make you generally must mix and the intention and the goal and the objective must be the same for both Okay. Were you able to follow uh, the Jumia story and uh, the debacle following it over the past couple of months? Not so quite, but what what did you want to ask? Yeah, so ideally, uh, everyone was looking up to Jumia being the first uh, African company that uh, was listed on the New York Stock Exchange. And Mm. all that came down crashing in just a few short weeks or a month. And also, there was that question over whether... Jumia was um, a natively African company. Uh, and that mm. discussion has been going on for quite a while. So, and sure. I know, you know, the founder structure uh, and the, you know, the basically whoever is in charge of running the company has always played a big role in, well, you know, the, the funding environment. In your assessment, what do you think... It, does it what what does it mean to be an African company? Do you have to be all the founders have to be natively African, or you know a foreigner can come into a country like Kenya and set up a company as a Kenyan company and be and call it a natively African company? What makes an African company African, mm-hmm. so to speak? <laughs> <laughs> and you know the very interesting part about that whole debate, yeah, is because is because investments in in other African countries where there is mm-hmm. equally high investment activity like Ghana, Nigeria, mm. shows a different story, mm-hmm. right? 
those countries yes. it shows they're investing primarily in Af- originally African-owned businesses. So yes, and an, a native Ghanaian or a native Nigerian, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. very uniquely skewed for Kenya. Yes, and 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 uh, whether it is a bad or 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 good thing, it just depends on whether whether they how you're treated within that structure, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So where there there is a founder and then they have a co-founder who is Kenya and then they have an African. It just depends on how are you executing this business, right? Mm-hmm. For for me, I'm working on if if it's by intention and then you're missing out good mm-hmm. African businesses. Yeah. Then it becomes a problem. But if where everyone is getting an equity share of investment, so long as you can prove that your investment is worthy, mm-hmm. then for me, there's no problem whoever gets it, so long as the investments are all worthy and credible. Where it becomes a problem is where a particular investment mm. is not worthy or is not, uh, is not necessarily uh, addressing a real need and is not necessarily uh, very scalable, and yeah. yet it still gets you see mm-hmm. so it's really to go deeper and don't address it from a race perspective and all that mm-hmm. but really to go deeper and then further study these companies that have gotten money mm-hmm. in these areas of risk whether it's technology regulatory market risk competition risk and execution mm-hmm. risk where their biases right yes. and if they are biased then you can develop a case mm-hmm. okay. because at the end of the at the end of this it all it's always about um as Kenyans or as Africans, can we demonstrate opportunities mm. that necessarily meet all these boxes, but have been mm-hmm. bypassed just because of that one thing. Exactly. And that's where the yeah. research needs. Mm. And if it shows that, definitely there will be no equity. Okay. So that means we need to have bills to go out to mm. guard against that. Yes, that's the legitimate. However, the reason Part of the reason this has been a very burning question and issue for most people is uh, there was a complete assessment of the businesses or startups that have been most investable, the ones that have actually gotten the most funding, particularly in in Kenya. And they were assessing the the founder structure and uh, ownership. It, it, It kind of left questions wondering why don't okay um okay then maybe why 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 was there a complaint <laughs> uh, in regards mm-hmm. to this conversation about why the, mm-hmm. the the companies that have been receiving funding are mostly to yeah. are mostly led by by foreign founders or white founders yeah. so to speak. yeah why why do you think that was an issue do you think it's because uh, the people who are complaining were complaining just because they felt that they were missing out on on the action, or is it because for those who are complaining, they probably have not started their own ventures and, and they are not really investable. You know, everything that we need to look at in the project for us to say, okay, then we're gonna give you one, two, three million dollars for you to proceed with the project. They're not checked all the 
boxes. I mm. think why it's also bringing pain mm-hmm. is because perhaps some people who actually meet these criteria mm. have been bypassed. Okay. Perhaps people who feel they actually have a good opportunity, mm. uh, a good uh, business opportunity, I mean, business uh, venture or startup, mm-hmm. but they, they feel they've been unfairly bypassed. But you see, uh, until you know, until we can have a metrics of evaluating all these, mm. can't have a strong case, you know? Okay, yeah. For I feel. But the, the 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 truth is the nuances are there's already there's some trend towards some skew skewness mm. and people mm-hmm. are pushing people are pushing back on the investors as well. I mean mm. people are pushing back on them and mm-hmm. they feel the pressure now. I think they feel the pressure. Mm. But you see, investments are private decisions at the end of the day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Decisions, right? The, the, completely yeah. private mm-hmm. decisions unless 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 uh, regulation checks in and regul and you see regulation can only check in mm-hmm. if if there's a is if there is a concrete uh, way of saying this is how you will be invested now you know yes. and yeah mm-hmm. so it's really for us to recheck that whole scenario definitely mm-hmm. there are some is the way it has skewed. I agree. Mm-hmm. I based mm-hmm. on the pictures that have been doing round, going yeah. round, and it, it's caused a whole uproar mm. and etc. I think mm-hmm. it's for us then to say to see how do we push back. And and for me, it's really also because investments are private decisions. Mm. How do we choose to fund some of these businesses ourselves? Mm-hmm. So that alternative funding structure. How can we okay. create it? Yeah. Because then, because they are private decisions, investments are private decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe someone is seeing this guy is risky. Yes. In his own assessment, mm-hmm. and we, there's nothing we can do about that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's it's, understandable. And and maybe to close that conversation, would you mention or maybe would you tell me if this statement is right? You, you know, um, there's too much funding chasing too few opportunities or there's too little funding and too many opportunities. So which of those is correct and might answer to your question, uh, put a stop to that con- conversation so that you also maybe expound on uh, what opportunities are there for funding. It's probably because people are lo- only looking at one direction and yet there's an entire 360. So, so uh, for me, I'll, I'll, I'll answer it, but I'll switch it. A little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. So there is too much, there is funding, at yes. least in the SME. So long as you're a growth SME, the startup side is really is, is uh, maybe slowing down or is risky. So startup maybe let's assume they're the high high growth one, but yes. in the SME space, mm-hmm. um, uh, if you're a growth SME, there is opportunity. You constantly have. We work with investors who are constantly looking for deals. They have money. They have mm. to report in meet their targets. Yes. So there is money. Mm-hmm. And, and there is quite a bit of money, whether it's especially debt funds, have mm. a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Now, whether they are chasing the, the wrong, too much opportunity, there are, certainly there are some opportunities, especially in, in the startup world or where there's some of the initial innovations that have gotten mm-hmm. too much money and chasing 
the same money, the same people and not giving to everyone. And that's just psychology, yeah? People yeah, want to reduce yeah. their risk. It's just mm. psychology. When you mm-hmm. see someone has invested in this one, it's a fear of missing out, you okay. know? Yeah, and yeah. And it's really, it's a fear of, uh, for investors. That's how they <laughs> yes, think. It is. It's a fear of mm. out. And mm. it's really, let me, let me also make something in here. It seems to be if so-and-so went yeah. in and a credible company, that means, mm. wow. You also know? I'm interested. Mm. I'm also interested. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just Kenyans. Even us, we have a lot of that, the fear of missing out. For me, it, uh, this narrative of high growth, innovation, uh, uh-huh. very high growth, high growth enterprises and ETC. For me, I feel investment as a whole in Africa needs to be very inclusive. Okay. So there is capital, but it needs to include medium growth enterprises, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. The bulk of African enterprises are actually medium growth enterprises. The innovative uh-huh. ones, the very high growth tech and all that, there is, is perhaps even 10%. And that's why they keep getting the money. But the notion of medium growth, so I'll give you an example. We have restaurants looking to expand a second branch. Those are the typical African businesses, primarily. We have a trader looking to expand to Nyanza or wherever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have traditional African businesses, which make up 90% of our businesses. How do we make them appear investable or be investable? Mm -hmm. So primarily those okay. kinds of enterprises currently rely on banks, mm. right? So restaurants yes. rely on for their line of credit and ETC, which is good. There's a place for banks as well. There's a place for banks mm-hmm. and it's true. But what if they need uh, more outside what their collateral can allow? Yes. How do we make them get more money? So mm. it, for me, it just has to be in. Uh, inclusive mm-hmm. they shouldn't be like uh, only do innovative ones or only do this there has to be innovation i see that line it has to be tech enabled i see that in a lot of funding requests it has to be what i i don't have a problem with that so long as we yeah. also have as many players doing medium growth normal businesses so there is too much money it just mm. has to be very in, um, inclusive yeah. and this money also has to be very it also has to have people, mm. the people behind the investment decisions must be people who understand the running of African businesses or okay. must be at yeah. least previously entrepreneurs. Mm. Some of okay. them must be previously entrepreneurs and specifically entrepreneurs in Africa. Because ah. then the risk, you understand the nuances of risk. Mm-hmm. You understand. Uh, I, I have primarily, let me give my own example. I have primarily been a consultant for the last 13 years. Um, okay. So employed about 12, 13 years, right, as mm. a consultant. with mm-hmm. Now, uh, and then, then I was an employee. Then I became an entrepreneur. So mm. still a consultant and entrepreneur. But the two experiences are extremely different. Mm-hmm. They're extremely different. It, it's, it's very interesting when you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. It's very, very interesting. What was on paper as a business plan mm. may not necessarily it is what you intended, but mm. as you start, you re- yeah. relearn and relearn and you relearn. So 
so it, that experience as an entrepreneur gives you a different lens when looking mm-hmm. at businesses. I'm not saying you'll be less carefree or yes. you'll be more carefree, but you'll be mo- more able to find adaptable solutions and ways mm. in which you can actually make investments and it will increase yeah, okay. the deal. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and finally, what drove you to, to start SME Support Center? Wow. So, so <laughs> a lot of things drove me to start SME Support Center. Mm. So one I saw, one was this, when I first stumbled upon working with SMEs, it was a World Bank funded program. And I saw the way a lot of local entrepreneurs were really struggling to navigate funding and really struggling to navigate this whole investment world and ETC. So I said, wow, there's a whole opportunity to make people actually really grow. That's where I really interacted with the SME pace. So for us, our main driver is really how do we make SMEs grow, Mm. right? And how do we give them quality consulting, the same Mm -hmm. consulting we use while we're in, through our training in KPMG and the big fours and wherever, mm. how do we bring quality of consulting to a way that it actually drives results mm-hmm. and supports SMEs to really grow yeah. and help them navigate the challenges. And for yeah. us, and that's why you see our tagline is scaling up the SME mm. ecosystem. It's really our tagline. And we've recently added a second part to that, which is mm-hmm. really scaling up the SME ecosystem with simple, localized, and sustainable solutions. And that is very important for me. You've noticed yeah. through our course, I'm talking about how do we localize this? How do we localize this? Mm. Because the only even funders are going to realize investments, yeah. realize return on investment is big, mm. when they begin to localize their products or localize mm. the way they work. Yes. The only way... We, we are all going to benefit is when we localize how we work, whether it's mm. how we set up the fund, how we localize it. And, mm-hmm. the, and we have to localize it simply, mm. complex. And yes. we have to localize it in a way that is very sustainable, that mm-hmm. we can't raise a fund. So let's assume we raise a $75 million fund and then mm. it ends. Then we'll, we mm-hmm. have to find a way that's sustainable. And I think people like Future Africa have something going. Mm. The people, the fund I talked about. But it is localized, sustainable solutions. That's what we are really about. And I've been asking myself recently, how Mm. do we make quality consulting more affordable? So we're now going Mm -hmm. to the mission. So how do we make it more affordable, more accessible to as many people, and and more available? Those three things, right? Mm, yeah. More affordable, more available, and more, more accessible. Because there are some people who might not reach certain consultants because they feel mm. those people are, are not of my class or they're not of my type. Yes. Right? I just, That's true. Mm. And yet they need some good quality. I'm not saying we are the best. We have uh-huh. a long way to go in terms of learning. But really... Mm-hmm. That's the mission. And what we have now done is really uh, done uh, various packages. So we've clustered okay. consulting and broken it down into packages. So now we have the bonus services or the basic services. Mm. And then we have the, I mean, the bonus. Then we have the basic services. And now we, and we also have the premium services. And we have various mm. 
sandwich services. So we've broken down our services very much, right? Mm-hmm. So that yeah. when anyone can interact with that, they can get get something from us, you know. Um, and it's mm-hmm. really that's something we have released uh, last week. Okay. And for us, it's really about that simple, localized, and sustainable solutions to scale up the SME ecosystem in Africa. Mm. That that is, um, I think you've made very good progress over over the years and uh, very thoughtful on you know including every single SME into your advisory and consultancy and to basically see the growth of, of small and medium enterprises in, in, in Africa. And uh, I think um, it, it's very sustainable and going forward, um, you will play a very big role in, in ensuring that a lot of uh, small businesses um, get that opportunity to scale. That is our hope and our plan. yes so finally do you have any particular announcements you'd like to make no that's just the announcement so (laughs) if you see the flyers we're in our social media pages Mm. sign up Mm -hmm. register put your details there yes we are working with various partners to see if we can provide some free things whether it's free financial trainings free you know Mm. you know Mm -hmm. we we are working hard i personally am I, i have a good team we're working mm. hard. Uh, I don't think I, I like this COVID period. I don't think I have really slept yeah. uh, so much because we're mm. really working hard to see how do we support SME more. So what gives me the most joy mm. uh, is not so much uh, that people will know me and need to see. Mm. And at some point I stayed cleared of branding and all that. But it's what mm. gives me so much joy is someone to tell me, Linda, you really, really helped me on this decision. Yes. So, so we want to see how to help as many support as many people mm-hmm. as possible, and just just what we are SME support center. That's what we are. Okay, um, thank you very much, Linda. It's been a great pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Yes, and I thank hope you. to have you. I hope to have you on uh, to have more conversations uh, very soon. Thank you, my dear. Thank you. Okay, have a good one and take care. You too. Appreciate it. You too. Bye. Okay, bye.